0: Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. High in the air, Brito back at the wall, adios, pelotas!
1: That's the type of manager that I'd like to be, which is the same every day. They know what they're gonna get. They're gonna get energy, they're gonna get accountability, they're gonna get structure, and they're gonna get support. And I'm gonna bring those things to the dugout in the clubhouse regularly. It takes hard work uh, and it takes humility, taking one step forward at a time, making one good baseball move after another. And I really feel like that's how we're gonna get where we hope and intend to go.
0: You're listening to Bags and Brisby on Athletic Podcast Network.
1: Welcome to episode number 201 of the Bags and Brisby podcast. I am Grant Brisby. I'm here with Andy Baggerly and uh, uh, Andy, uh, 201 batters faced for Hunter Strickland in 2018. I say this less to mention Hunter Strickland and more to bring up the 2018 Giants because we're back,
2: boy, yeah. If, if there's ever a road trip you want to just fling your helmet at and then just take a big swipe at, that, that would be uh, that would be this one, yeah. This is a
1: it wasn't that long ago, it was a week ago where I thought, I really, earnestly, honestly thought. The Giants' best plan was to to stand pat, to not make any wild moves, to keep uh, the rotation intact, to not go out and get Wilson Contreras. But if someone were to amble along like Pablo Lopez or a controllable player, Cedric Mullins, maybe that would uh, help their fortunes now and in the near term. Uh, But I I just don't know. I think this might be a sell, sell, sell kind of situation.
2: Yeah, so I I guess the question would be, you know, they could still go out and find players that could help them beyond this season, players that have additional years of control. Um, and, and maybe they could even use some of their major league pieces like Carlos Rodon to make that happen. So, you know, I, I maybe they could be buyers and sellers at the same time. I think they just have to try to use this deadline to their advantage. But if, if you're Farhan Zaidi or, or Scott Harris and you look at how this team is playing, and you never judge a team by its worst week of the season. The only problem is the Giants have had their worst week of the season twice now in July and haven't really been good outside of those worst two weeks either. So do you think that you can make this team competitive next year? Or are you in a situation where, okay, we're not getting the inputs we were hoping for from the farm. Uh, we are further al- not as far along as we thought we would be. We need to take a more significant step back. Where do you think they are right now? I am pretty pessimistic about next season,
1: and I know that that uh, is a little fickle, considering that before the, the season it was like, hey, and after the Dodgers sweep, it was hey, maybe the Giants still have a shot at the West. But I'll wear it because you look at the roster player by player. Who can you count on for next season that makes you say yes. That gives the Giants an advantage over their competitors for even the last wild card spot. Is it Joey Bart? Now, you know, you might be optimistic about his long-term future, but that's not a player. You can say next year for sure, that's the one who's going to put the Giants over the top. Brandon Belt is going to be a free agent. Brandon Crawford hasn't shown anything this year. I mean, you can go down the list. Boom, 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 boom. It's basically Logan Webb, Duvall, and... You know, maybe if you're optimistic about Yastrzemski, Luis Gonzalez, but it's not a long list. And when you're trying to build a 26-man roster and you're naming off three players, four players, maybe even two players, man, that's a lot of work to do. And I just don't know if it can be done in one
2: offseason. Yeah, I was in the press box at Chase Field the other day and Kettle Marte was at the plate for Arizona and someone turned to me and said, "Do the Giants have a, is Kettle Marte do the Giants have anybody better than Kettle Marte? Would he be the best player on the Giants?" And I didn't even have to think about it. I'm like, "No, they don't have anybody better than him. He would be the best player on the Giants," which is certainly no uh, doesn't uh, speak poorly of Kettle Marte. He's a really good player. probably a really underrated player actually. Um, but yeah, the Giants just don't have Anybody aside from Logan Webb and Camila Duvall, that you could imagine would be on the team in three years. Um, so, yeah, you you wonder you wonder when they have to start making moves that are going to be uh, that are going to bring a little more stability. But you know what I mean. I know you always say we're not here to talk about whatever you lead into. We're here to talk about the Giants. I mean, do we really have to this time? Do we have to talk about the Giants? What's going on in your life, Grant? What's happening with you? Right oh, now? let's see. There's uh, we got
1: we got softball. I'm taking the little soft, summer softball league for my youngest. Tell daughter. me all about it. I want to
2: know every detail and talk about it for a
1: half an hour, please. Uh, uh, youngest daughter, pitched. Uh, she pitched yesterday. Pitched pitch well through a couple of uh, nice. hard strikes. Uh, you know, it's uh, she's she's learning her own. No, Annie, we we have to talk about the Giants. We have to. Uh. I'm, I'm uh, considering buying a, a few Miles Davis box sets, uh, records. Uh, really nice ones. Hold on. No, 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 no. We have to talk about the Giants. We
2: have to talk. I'm going to need some bourbon at 10 in the morning to get me through this then. Hang on. Let's see. Ooh. Uh, oh, how about some Japanese whiskey? That might be nice to have. Okay. All right. I'll 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 get myself settled and we'll talk about the Giants. Yeah. Fine. Fine. We're contractually obligated. Contractually
1: obligated. You know, I mean, I'm. it's funny because I really... When I looked at the Giants next season, I came to the conclusion less that the Giants needed to uh, go and sell at the deadline to make up for whatever they're lacking for next season. And more like, hey, this might be their last shot. Let's push it in a little bit and see if they can get one more postseason before they have to do a ton of work in the offseason. And I, I still have that in my head as, as a possibility. They're still not that far from the wild card. But man, I don't know. It's I think the calculus would change if there were any faith that the Giants could promote, especially uh, hitting prospects. If they could fashion hitting prospects into hitting major leaguers, then the whole calculus changes about what you can expect for next season, what you can expect for the next three seasons. Without that, this team is still very much a long-term mystery. They cannot get Joey Bart on track Elliot Ramos has been a mess. You go down the line and
2: it's it's just a rough position for an organization to be in. No, it really is. And, and you know, I, I do think they need to try to do something. And I thought about, you know, you've heard of the phrase fortune favors the bold, Right. Hmm. What what move would you point to uh, in the four years since Farhan's taken over? What move would you point to as a bold move? That is a bold move. They are making a big bet here. And I mean, I, they've made some certainly some significant moves. Um, but is there anything that they've done thus far that 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 really made you say, wow, they they made a calculation here and they are really going all in on that calculation? Uh, Traded for Marco Scudero. Damn it. No, that's
1: not it. No, um, no. Yeah, I guess I guess you're right. I'm, try- I'm trying to go back. And, you know, the Chris Bryant was a very practical trade. Uh, it's not like they gave up. Lawan way jr. and Joey Bart although
2: perhaps maybe at this point that wouldn't have been the worst thing in the world um yeah I'm not sure if they have So I mean like a bold move would be if you were to and I know we've talked about these names a little bit but if you decide you know what Joey Bart is just not going to make it he's he's not he has a lot of upside still but the bat is just not going to play on the major league level if you've made that um, if you've made that kind of value judgment, um, what, what, if, what if the A's decide they could fix him? And you trade him to the A's along with maybe three or four minor leaguers, probably a couple good ones, uh, and you get Ramon Laureano and you get Murphy from the A's. Two guys who you could control for a couple years. Laureano's a plus defensive outfielder. You could move Austin Slater to a corner where he might be a plus because um, obviously he's having some issues out there in center right now with making uh, decisions, throwing to bases. And then you could have Jastrzemski in a corner as well uh, for as long as, as he's around. Um, I, I think those are the kind of moves that they have to start to make, um, and otherwise it, you're not going to be leaving people with much hope for next season.
1: Yeah, that would be uh, to use uh, Mark Craig on the other podcast hates this thread uh, hates this phrase, but it it applies. So everyone's going to use it. Thread the needle, and I think that threading the needle uh, with players who are controllable, uh, who are going to be on the team for at least a couple years, at the same time pretty solid bets to contribute right now and not a maybe one day sort of situation that might work that might work uh and with sean murphy the last time i looked he was hitting horribly and now his ops is 747 he is uh uh, up there again. And I, he must have been really hot. So, uh, and I'm not just talking about uh, his backside. I'm just talking, <laughs> I'm talking peach about- Peach emoji,
2: peach emoji.
1: <laughs> with the bat, <laughs> he has been doing stuff in July. Let's see. Yes, a 976 OPS in July. So that is, a, look, If I don't think Giants fans need to have their handheld when you're explaining how important a strong defensive field general behind the, the plate can be. And Murphy can be that guy. And he is uh, a little bit – I don't know if he's wasted on the A's in their current situation because there is value to having a veteran, uh, reliable catcher behind the plate for a young pitching staff. He's kind of wasted on the A's. So they should be entertaining ideas. I I think that's a good fit. I think that is maybe what they should explore where you're you're trying to thread that needle, to use the cliché.
2: Yeah, I mean, go out and get people who, you know, and we know they're looking for defense. And Ken Rosenthal reported a couple days ago that they're looking to subtract their sort of large S of DHs. And they got another one back with Tommy Lastella, although he did play third base in his first game back. And, you know, he went 0 for 5 and struck out to end the game in Arizona the other day. But you're seeing the frustration, man. I mean, Carlos Rodon uh, lost it in the dugout. He kicked a bat that hit <laughs> Tyro Estrada and people were ticked off at him. And mm. it was tense in that clubhouse. You know, I didn't get the sense that people were like absolutely, you know, quitting on the guy or anything like that, or that there's total dissension in that room. But people are very unhappy and in some cases unhappy with each other. And I, I don't think it's devolved into total finger pointing, but at some point, you know, especially guys like Rodon and Webb, who by and large have, have done their job and pitched very well this season, you know, they've pitched behind that terrible defense all year. And at some point, you, you're like, enough's enough. And Logan Webb had one of those moments too. He was visibly upset that Brandon Belt wasn't playing on the line for a Kettle Marte double that got past him. And then David Peralta followed with a double that scored the tying run in the fourth inning. And, and that erased one of three Giants' leads they had on the entire road trip. And they did not hold on to any of those leads at the conclusion of the inning in which they took them, which means they did not lead at the conclusion of any inning over seven games on that trip. So, yeah, you'd be totally frustrated. It's like you you feel like you can't lose a lead. You can't make a mistake. Uh, you feel like you have to strike everybody out because a ball in play is just you can't trust what's going to happen behind you. And and he looks to the dugout, Logan Webb, and he flaps his arms and says, why why was he playing so far over? And, and I went up to Belt after the game and Belt's like, yeah, you know what? He's right. Normally I would have been on that play. I, I just wasn't. I just had a bad game today, and uh, uh, that's that's what happens. So I, I don't know if it's if if their frustration is really at each other right now, um, but it's certainly with each other. Um, and there's probably a difference, using a um, uh, a different uh, um, different word there. But you know, it's that's what happens when a team is going going badly, and um, it's they're certainly tested right now. They're tested. Um, both internally and, and externally by what their opponents are doing to them. And this should be a relatively friendly portion of the schedule. You know, they had the Diamondbacks, a team that's, you know, under 500. They got the Cubs coming in. But the Cubs are hot. The Cubs are really hot right now. They're probably going to trade a couple pieces while they're in San Francisco. But, um, you know, Seiya Suzuki's back. He's hitting again. They got Nico Horner. They got some nice-looking young players. Morel has been exciting. So they're, all of a sudden, not a really easy opponent. Then you got the Dodgers at the rest of his homestead. We know the Dodgers are the Dodgers. But then, you know, you look at August, you've got the A's, you got the Pirates, you got the D-backs again, you got the Rockies, you got the Tigers. You know, the Twins are pretty good, but uh, that that's a pretty soft portion of the schedule. So the, the Giants still have an opportunity to turn it around, but... Boy, if if they don't have a winning homestand, it's going to be really hard to see how it could happen.
1: Yeah, I go back to the Giants aren't this bad. And what I mean by that is the baseball they played on the road trip was some of the worst baseball that they are capable of playing. Uh, They did not see the closest margin of defeat was two runs. Uh, for the most part, it was four runs, seven runs, three runs, uh, two runs, uh, four runs. They just—they were losing, and they were losing handily in most situations. I know that they got the the tying or the the go ahead run up to the plate against the Dodgers uh, a couple of times, but no, they've been they've been getting skunked. And even the very, very, very worst teams will win. 30% of their games. They will win 40% of their games. The very worst teams in history will win a certain percentage of their games. So, when a team is winning 0% of their games over a stretch, they should probably regress to the mean in a good way. Uh, I remember writing a big, long piece about the, the 1988 Orioles who started 0 21. And that was not the worst team in baseball history. It wasn't close, it was just the most snake bit team in baseball history. And that's kind of where the Giants are right now. They're not the most snake bit team in, in baseball history. They're just the most snake bit team right now. They could still win a few games, but you don't, if a team is capable of losing seven games in a row like this, you probably shouldn't be confident going forward and planning on adding for this season, regardless on if it regresses to the mean or not. If you can lose seven in a row, you're probably pretty bad in some respects. Yeah.
2: And, you know, one one big thing is, I think last year they scored, maybe it was their most runs in any inning, in the first inning. And, and this year, they're not getting those, those first inning runs uh, like they did last year. You know, we know that they're, in the aggregate, they're scoring a lot of runs, but uh, that's starting to level out quite a bit. But they're just, they're not getting, uh, they're not getting to starting pitchers early. And that goes for, you know, the guys who are pretty good and the guys who aren't not so good. They're just not settling in and not scoring early. And that reminds me a lot of, like the 2019 team, where it seemed like the first time through the lineup, the lineup did nothing, you know, and uh, and it is usually tougher for a team to, to get to a pitcher the first time through the lineup. But um, that's been a real issue is, is getting started. And uh, it's something that has plagued them in the past. And it's something that has come up again as, as a big issue, because, yeah, to your point, I mean. You know, there were three games at Dodger Stadium where they were, you know, tied or had the lead in the seventh inning or later. So it's hard to feel like you're blown, blown out of those games. But when you never have a lead to protect at all, I mean, it really does sort of warp uh, your sensibilities. And um, yeah, at times they were a big hit away, but. They got to get that big hit early in games and have a lead to protect and set up their relievers the way they want and, you know, feel like they actually have control over the script of a game. And they just haven't had that. They didn't have it the entire road trip. And uh, uh, and obviously, it, it probably couldn't have gone any worse. And, and they lost Adam Longoria along the way, who is a guy who, you know, uh, has played well when he's been healthy um, and has brought some stability. So now you have no Longoria, no Crawford um, belt. We, we've seen that he's just not moving like he did even at first base. And that's one of the reasons he needed to be on the line is because he's just not able to move as well and made a big mistake on fielding that bunt as well, throwing the ball over the head of catcher, Austin Wins along two runs to score. So yeah, it's, it's just a lot of air has gone out of the balloon real fast.
1: Yeah, it is. Uh, first off, I just have to go back to that 2019 team that you mentioned because I'm still mad at them for scoring a first inning run at the end of April because that would have been the funniest statistical quirk I think possible. They almost made it through the entire first month of the season without scoring a first inning run. That to me seems impossible. That like <laughs> like Not just like an impressive statistic, but literally impossible. It's like standing on market street and saying, well, you know, statistically, I guess it's possible that a car won't come by today. No, you know there's going to be a car that drives by because it's a busy street in the metropolitan area. Uh, it just seems impossible. So I just wanted to uh, give a shout out to the 2019 Giants for almost doing the impossible. Yeah. Good on them.
2: Good on, good on them.
1: Wait, no, not good on them. That was terrible. Ah, it's just wild stuff. Anyways, but I'll, I'll go back to... I. You look at this roster and it's sometimes you say, "Okay, it's the defense. It's the defense. It's the defense. And I wrote yesterday about how you can fix the defense and how if you put a a quality center fielder out there and you can shift Austin Slater and and Yastrzemski into corner positions. Now you turn a really bad outfield into an actual pretty good one. And that that could help if you do this, if you do that. I just wondering if it's deck, deck chairs in the Titanic. I just, I just am not sure. And that might be recency bias because the Giants have been playing so poorly and, you know, they're still, uh, you hit the buzzer. They're still X games, three and a half games out of postseason position. I don't know. I just, I just—they're closer to the Diamondbacks and uh, the Rockies than they are at postseason position, and that's not a good place to be. And the Baltimore Orioles, Orioles, baby. I mean, it's like I'm talking about trading Cedric Mullins, and it just, that's the orange and black team that's going to surprise us here all
2: the way. I keep reading all of these articles about, oh, here are trade targets, and it's like Anthony Santander. So I'm like, no, the Orioles are good, man. <laughs> Everyone's <laughs> like, like hardwired in the Orioles are or a hundred-loss team. And uh, I, there was not one national reporter who shall remain nameless who was like, "I'm going to eat my shorts if the Orioles win uh, when you know 75 games or something." I I forget, so he's probably in a cave somewhere where no one can find him. Um, <laughs> but I mean, you, you, that's that just goes to show you, man. You can never be too. um confident in a prediction in baseball baseball is going to make you look stupid (laughs) things are going to happen that you do not expect the giants may win 107 games one year (laughs) ha 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 who could see that coming um it's 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 just maddening and and you know this is i think this season is is shaping up to be like the ultimate regression to the mean season i mean it it is regression with a capital r in so many ways and uh you know, I, I, again, though, even though you, you go read Giants Twitter and it's like sell, 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 tear it down, they're terrible. There's still only a couple of games out and the teams that they're chasing are not, you know, the 27 Yankees. So, I mean, I don't know, man. Stranger things have happened. I feel
1: like I have in my career uh, not done one of those unforced, if X happens, I will do Y. And I feel like it's time for, for me to do that. And I, let's, let's do this together. Let's figure out what are we going to do if the Giants make it to the NLCS this year? Like not even win the World Series. Just make it to a chance where they have the pennant. I don't want to eat shorts. Uh, what what can we do? Uh, like a snort a, a, a line of wasabi or something? Like what can we do? <laughs>
2: um, wow. I'll let you do that. let um, yeah. hmm. Let's see. Uh, what will I do? Maybe I'll just write a book about it and, uh, um, yeah, I'll write, I'll call it Band of Misfits. That's what I'll call
1: it. <laughs> oh my goodness. No, I, um, I tweeted yesterday cause I've been trying to stay off Twitter. I don't know if anyone's noticed, but I just, when I'm watching games, I don't, have the urge to grab my phone like I used to And here are my thoughts. Here's my stupid jokes. And it's, it, it was when the giants were doing well. And when the giants aren't doing well, I, I just, I've lost that feeling, which is probably healthy for everyone involved. But I tweeted yesterday after the loss that the giants need to go 59 and five to match last year's record. Will they do it? Time appears to be running out, but baseball has a way of surprising you. Very, very clearly sarcastic. (laughs) I mean, look, they're not going 59 and 5. That is the joke. It's basically to show you that record. That is a a record that makes you go, like, that shows you the difference between last year and this year. They would need to go 59 and 5 to match it, which is bananas. Uh, People still thought I was serious. And And not only did some people think I was serious, some people were saying, yeah, you know what? That's right. Let's have a little optimism. And oh, bless them. Because... I, that is so pure. Baseball can surprise you. I don't know if it's. I don't know. I think. Ooh, like this, I don't know if this team has that kind of surprise left in them.
2: You know, I I think maybe I would have a hunch that one of the reasons that you're less uh, feel less apt to tweet your thoughts on Giants baseball is because you are subjecting yourself to a a a what do you call the 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 mud river or volcanic like hot like a lahar is that what it's called yeah it's not just a it's not just a river of negativity it's a steaming lahar of negativity Mm -hmm. um you know that's bad for the mental health it is (laughs) those nattering nabobs of negativism i mean even if they're right or even if i mean you know even if the 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 comments are all justified sometimes they can you know they can take it to a level where they get so personal or it's just it's just toxic you know and and we're human like anybody else i I don't want to subject myself to a bunch of toxic negativity all the time but it is funny how there are fans who are like, rip the team, rip this guy, rip that. Why why is that going to make you feel any better? You know, I can write what happens. You can make up your mind how you want to feel about it. And very clearly you feel the way you feel about it. So that's good. Good for you. You're the consumer, you're the fan. But this weird, weird sort of compulsion to to want to have people rip the team, you know, it's like, well, you know, I'll just tell you what's happening and then you can make up your own mind. One of the weirdest
1: things that I have noticed is, uh, When something bad happens, someone will immediately be in my replies saying that it's Gabe Kapler's fault. And I understand that you might have disagreements with Kappler with uh, how he's handling the relievers, how he is managing his uh, hyper fascination with platoons, uh, his rigidity in that respect. I get that. But. If you bring Casey Stengel back from the dead and doll him up like RoboCop to make him Robo Manager, that's not going to help this team. That's not what what's going on. I don't think it's a clubhouse thing. I don't think it's a, a strategy thing. That is the fascination. It's almost like, I don't know, I, maybe last year he got too much credit. He got the Manager of the Year award for 107 wins. Is this the pendulum swinging back? I don't know, but I just... Don't look at this team and see, uh, oh, it's a manager thing. Yeah, I'll fix that and you'll
2: have a great team. I just don't see that. You know, do you think Gabe Kaplan wants better players? Of course he does. Does he <laughs> want better matchups? Of course he does. If you were to play this team straight up, you know, and play the same eight guys – they'd be even worse. They'd be getting slaughtered if you played Jock Peterson against lefties, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so, you know, I think he's doing the best he can with what he has. And and yeah, we know that his philosophy is in lockstep with the front office in terms of matchups, et cetera. Um, but, you know, it, it is one thing. There was a funny thing happened. Josh Rojas of the Diamondbacks was on either the postgame show Tuesday or the pregame show Wednesday. I forget what it was, but he, and he said, well, we saw what Gabe Kapler said about the Giants, you know, coming to, Arizona and getting right and that didn't sit too well with the guys and didn't sit too well with me and I'm thinking I was in LA and I was in every one of Kapler's sessions and he takes great pains to say every series is important every opponent is dangerous I mean he never says anything like oh this is a soft point in the schedule or we need to take advantage he's he, in fact he's, he actively like backs away from that kind of talk and he's like you know every, every game is important he just he doesn't mm-hmm. He doesn't like traffic in that at all. And so it was some sort of game of telephone where somebody said something that somebody interpreted and then that got to somebody and it got worse. And all of a sudden, Gabe Kapler is saying like, oh, the Diamondbacks suck and we can beat them. (laughs) And and there was like, I I was in Kapler's office and I'm like, what did you say? And he's like, I have no idea. Um, But you know what? He's like, hey, sometimes people need to make stuff up to, to light a fire. And so if they did, you know, good for them, whatever. But... It just goes to show that whether it's even people in the game or fans, there is a, a an implicit bias against this guy. There are people who just have decided they don't like Gabe Kapler, and all through the 107-win season, they stayed quiet and stayed quiet and stayed quiet, and now the knives come out when when he's an easy mark, and I think that's just... I, I take it with a grain of salt when I hear, "Oh, industry source says Gabe Kapler's lost the clubhouse." There is probably a scout that just doesn't like Gabe Kapler and, and is just ready to 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 say that just because that's the way that they feel. I mean, it's kind of a, it's kind of a, a a symptom of what's going on in our greater society, right? It's like anything that gives me co- um, confirmation bias, I'm gonna absolutely latch to and 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 um, and and sort of. Um, put my megaphone on and 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 shout it from the heavens. So, you know I, I just I don't make a whole I try to really not make much of anything I hear that says, "Oh, Kapler's lost the clubhouse" or "Capler's, you know, um he's absolutely screwing this season up." I mean, he's kind of doing the same thing he did last year, just the players are are older, they're more hurt, and it's just not working. And um you know what? It is it is a, a tougher task for a manager. That's when a manager has to manage people more. Um, to get them to buy in when things aren't working. That's, it's harder to get buy in when things aren't working. So this season is a much bigger test for him. And we'll see just how this clubhouse comes through, uh, this season. But I, I don't think his job is in jeopardy at all. I don't think that there's any, um, You know, I don't think there there certainly are are people who aren't happy with how they're being used sometimes. And, you know, when you're pinch hitting Brandon Belt for David VR as opposed to David uh, Darren Ruff, you know, questions are going to be asked. And when there's outward shows of frustration from players, uh, questions are going to be asked. But, yeah, I just I would just caution to, you know, take it with a grain of salt, basically.
1: I don't want to speak for anyone else, but I make it a point to. Actively dislike people who are better looking than me, taller than me, and who could beat me in arm wrestling, which means that I... Uh, actively hate about ninety five percent of the world, um, so that that's it's jealousy on my part. So I can just be upfront with that. You know
2: what? Don't sell yourself <laughs> short. If you arm wrestle Gabe Kapler, who's to say maybe you could do a Jedi mind trick and you could beat him? Who knows?
1: Maybe that is the fifty nine and five of arm wrestling. Like maybe, <laughs> <laughs> who right. knows? You know, arm wrestling has a way of surprising you. No, I, I don't know. I just he he is an even keel. I just don't see. What fire would do for this roster? I don't see what uh, pushing the right buttons would do. Now, let me ask you something because you have been around your share of clubhouses. And I don't want you to get into specifics about Kapler necessarily. But when you are in a clubhouse where the the team has – where their manager has lost the team or is in the process of losing the team – can you feel it? Is it as obvious as uh, rains a coming, or is it more just like I don't know if my knees sore because uh, I tweaked it or because rains a coming? Like, how obvious is it when a, a clubhouse has been lost?
2: I mean, it's it can be pretty obvious, and it, it depends. You have to be pretty clued in and 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 know. Players, especially the veteran players, a lot of times the young guys don't know any better. You know, they're they're just there hoping they get an opportunity, and 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 a lot of guys are happy to be there. Um, But it's like any workplace environment, you're going to have some people who are the grumblers. You're going to have some people who uh, there there's one veteran player uh, that Bruce Bochy uh, had a nickname for. I won't say who it is. But uh, his nickname for him was Icky Face because he just walked around <laughs> with, with an Icky Face. Oh, Icky Face isn't happy today, you know. So, I mean, that, that's going to happen. And uh, I, I think there are times when when there, there are a lot of players who are unhappy with Bruce Bochy. And But the thing is, you know, I got to remind myself, there's a big difference between a clubhouse mutiny. And I, I go back and think about, like, when Terry Collins was the Angels manager and Mo Vaughn didn't come out for a fight. Uh, in a game at, I think it was Kansas City, and and it was just upheaval. And they were ready to just, they were ready to mutiny. That team was ready to mutiny. Those are pretty rare. But, you know, situations where you have people who are disgruntled, or you have people who aren't happy with how they're being used. You know what, that's every workplace Everybody has moments where they just don't like what their boss is telling them to do, or, you know, they have to, you know, suck it up and do something that they're not happy about. And, you know, there's a big difference between, you know, that and, and conflating that in, into something even bigger. And so, you know, I think it's very easy for us, especially in the media, to try to blow those things out of proportion a little bit. Um, I, I just try to be as, as sort of level-headed about it as I can. And yeah, you absolutely um, need to write about that and cover that and, and and sort of unearth that when it's happening. But for the most part, you know, there aren't a, lot, a whole lot of teams that get into active mutiny situations.
1: Yes. Uh, talk to me on Sunday when I'm knee-deep in power rankings about my place of employment Uh, to see how happy I am as a writer for The Athletic, because on Sunday, I will be power ranking all of the teams in trying to pretend like I have thoughts about the Marlins. I don't have thoughts about the Marlins. Do you have thoughts about the Marlins? Would you like to do the power rankings this weekend?
2: Mm, No, but I I do have thoughts about the Marlins. Um, In fact, I I have several thoughts about the Marlins, because delightfully, I got to spend uh, a couple of nice – uh, lunches uh, this past uh, week with um, Jalal Leach, former Giant, now oh, wow. a Marlins scout. And we got to talk about uh, the Marlins and even watch some of the Marlins game on TV the other day. And um, I, I would say my first thought is Pablo Lopez. Good. If you can acquire him, do do so.
1: Yeah. I don't know if I have enough thoughts for a full column on that idea of uh, the Giants should attack the next couple of years rather than this deadline and or just next season. Yeah, that guy's good. That guy is good. And I think it's silly for the. Mar- I don't think the Marlins are that far away. I've been a pro Marlins writer all year. And I just, I don't know why they're this bad. Jesus Aguilar is not doing so hot. and Nicole Rojas isn't doing hot. Like I can list out the individual players. I don't know. I think that they're closer, closer than they could be. Uh, maybe the Giants can get Stephen Okert though.
2: That's, that's my great deadline <laughs> right. prediction. I'll tell you what, though. I, I, I know we're on, on time here, but the Diamondbacks, too. I'm a little surprised that they're as many games under 500 as they are. And and they're obviously creeping up on the Giants now. But that's a team with some athleticism. And Zach Gallen's having a good year. Uh, Merrill Kelly's having a good year. Uh, you know, the bullpen isn't the greatest in the majors. But, uh, um, you know, they've got a lot of guys who can flag down balls in the outfield. Certainly better than the Giants can. Um, yeah, you know what? I, I think that um, the Diamondbacks
1: are. Are moving in the right direction. I will not shut up about how last year's Diamondbacks—that was not a 110-loss team. That just was not. It takes so much to lose, even 100 games. It takes so much to lose 110. I do not understand that. <sighs> can the Giants lose 110 this year? Uh, let me see the math on that. Um, I, I think that they—they they can barely. If they don't win another game, they're going to be close.
2: Okay. Well, something to watch then.
1: <laughs> All right, this
2: is episode
1: <laughs> 201 of the bags and brisbee podcast we're going to be back on monday and we will have a clearer picture of if the giants are buying or selling or buy selling or sell buying whatever uh, you want to call it and we'll talk about it then that's going to be the hot deadline edition so see you then thanks for listening